name is Brandon Curry. And I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. And we have friend of the show, uh, you know, second or third time guest of the show, Brandon Cullen from uh, Raleigh. Is it Raleigh, North Carolina? Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you. Close. It's in Charlotte. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Raleigh's oh, that's a couple cool. hours north. Well, thanks again for, for joining us and also uh, co-founder of Metabolic. Uh, the uh, the the uh, chain of gyms across uh, the U.S. and also, uh, do you still have the one franchise in Burlington still? We do. Uh, right. My sister, who you know, Ash Ashley, yep. she uh, she runs it. Yeah, so it's her it's her business. And are you looking at uh, any more uh, any more uh, franchises in Canada, or is just just the one right now in Ontario, Burlington, Ontario? Yeah, I think I think the Canadian franchising strategy will be a little bit different. I think we have to make, take more of an area development look at that. So pick some of the hot markets and go in there for a cluster of units versus just one off. So we're approached often um, to do single units in great cities, but it, it's even though we uh, share a border, it, it's quite a bit different doing business. Um, in both countries. And, and it's not the things you would think. It's more of vendor relationships, um, different laws. Uh, just It's just very different. So a lot of the things that we can streamline here in the United States, um, it's hard to get it across the border. And if you do it, you want to do it for multiple units. So that's probably the easiest way to say it. So it's, it's definitely not out of the question. It's no different than if we were to look at the UK. But I think you really want to take on a strategic partner that's ready to do some volume um, versus single units. So for so since you last joined us on the on uh, on the podcast, uh, it was during the middle of the pandemic. We'll get into all that, uh, you know, the reopening and all this kind of stuff, because I got to give credit where credit's due, um, I think. And I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm, this is not verbatim, but I think you basically said. Uh, Canada, you just had not, you have not been poked enough or pushed enough yet. And uh, I think maybe a month later, we had the big convoy up in Ottawa. And uh, yeah, well, we all know how that ended. Um, but we were talking about, so we have a ton of listeners uh, and people who watch us live across the country um, now that we're on the uh, uh, Dean Blundell network. Um, but we were... Just curious if you can let our watchers and listeners know, subscribers know, what is Metabolic, just to get everyone up to speed, and how do you basically compare and contrast to the current franchises, uh, either in the U.S. Um, if you know that more versus uh, and in Canada. Uh, yeah, so we are a we are a group fitness concept, but we are more of a strength bias interval training concept so if you uh i have to use some blanket statements here is is um is irresponsible as that is but a, a lot of the uh, boutique fitness industry is very cardio 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 focused and um, we come from a, a strength biased uh platform and then the other thing i think we are very well known for is that one-on-one -on -one accountability within a group atmosphere so Again, not not better or not worse, but most of the people we compete against is more of a um, 
called a boot camp nature, um, where there's a lot of uh, rah rah and high fives and kind of like inspirational trainers. Where ours more of a one-on-one coaching experience within a group atmosphere is probably the safest way to kind of position it. So you're not the beach body uh, kind of <laughs> motif, I guess is. Uh... That's fair. Not that you don't have a beach body, but that's one of the ones that kind of rah, 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 right? Like, you know? Yeah, and you know what's weird? Like, yeah, and the, the truth is, is um, I, that market's probably bigger than mine. That core consumer um, is a bigger part of the North American pie, but it's also a crowded, um, it's a crowded space. So I find... Uh, Kind of targeting our facilities will will be very successful at 300 members. So to, to find 300 more kind of like high achievers that value um, structure and accountability, I find that kind of laser focus is a, is a lot easier than this kind of broad having to make everyone uh, happy. Uh, if that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. Little, little bit over 40, so everything that I've <laughs> just a hair. Red 50, let's put it that way. You're closer to 50, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, pro, you're closer to 50 than close to 40. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Um, but everything um, that I've read, I, I, I'm, I've always been a, a cardio person, right? Like, I just love running just one of those people, right? I'll go for a jog and, uh, you know, do my push-ups, do my crunches and stuff like that. But you know, I started reading about your muscle mass and stuff like that and how it, you know, harder to build and deterioration of it. So when I was 40, I, I, I had never really moved weight before in my life, but then I started working on a more strength uh, training uh, program, not completely doing away with the cardio, right? Just kind of facilitating a little bit of cardio in and kind of supplementing the, the weight workout. And I, it feels great, right? Because it's just a, the whole core, right? Like you just kind of you just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's muscle, right? Like, well, and the truth is, is the best uh, training program is the one that you're going to do often. So even though yeah. maybe I have a biased approach to someone being their best, if, if it doesn't speak to them and it doesn't get them out of bed and in, in the gym and moving, um, you know, it's not going to be a successful program. But yeah, you're right. I mean, science driven as we get older, uh, gravity starts pushing down and the only way you kind of push back against that is resistance training men um you know we start battling with testosterone issues women um battle with bone density issues and it's it's not more miles um on your joints that take care of that stuff it's um controlled kind of resistance training specific to um your ability is the probably the best way to say it yeah. So what I found, we, sorry, sorry, Brent. What I found too, no, just in terms of like in the start off, like I really used um, fairly lightweight, right? Just to kind of get the mechanics down, right? And strengthen those kind of stabilizer muscles because I, I tried before initially and lifted, it could lift the weight, but then those stabilizer muscles weren't there and it ended up by hurting myself, right? Like just tweaking, uh, tweaking my, uh, my muscles. Yeah. There's, there's so many belief systems and I could probably, um, defend and argue all of them. But again, I think, you know, in business, I'm going to definitely push my product 
but when I'm dealing with, um, and that's not always true, right? Cause I'm not, I'm not shy to tell a, a type of client where they may, might be more successful, but even like with dealing with friends and family based on their own needs, um, maybe even just natural athletic ability or where they are in life. Um, if they're just busy, stressed, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but guess what? Cardio is important. Strength training is important, but most important movements important. So whatever gets your, uh, whatever gets your feet moving, I would say, um, that's probably a pretty good start. Gotcha. Good advice. Now we, uh, so when we were talking to you last, obviously, how so how is the status of your franchises? I, I follow you on LinkedIn, as you know. You've opened up a uh, – I actually have lost track. I know one was Texas. The other one was – I can't I, – I, you know what? I'm, I know there was two or three you opened up right like within a month. And uh, so since we've chatted, how many, how many franchises have you added on in the U.S.? Um, yeah, last month was a good month. We opened three out of four weeks. I think it went, uh, Brooklyn, uh, we opened in Williamsburg, which was kind of a, a cool bucket list thing for my team and the whole company. Um, we opened in a small, a small border town called McAllen, Texas, that you, you wouldn't think on paper that it actually even makes sense, but we have a very, um, charismatic couple that lives in that area. Uh, that's well connected. And there's a lot of um, young money uh, going there because of government jobs and different things. And then we opened our fifth unit in, um, <clears throat> in DC. And it's kind of on like an iconic street in DC, a fitness street, 14th street. So we're right across from a soul cycle close to a berries. So, so just one of these iconic fitness streets. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun month. Um, as far as getting these things open, I think the count now is, and my partners are going to, they're always mad at me for never hitting our count. Right. But I think we have 25 units open and we have another 60 to 65 under contract and in development that should take place over these next 12 to 24 months. So wow. it's fun. It's a busy time. Yeah. Is it busy because the pandemic's kind of ending now? So people are returning to the gym or what do you think? Yeah, there, I mean, there's been some pretty compelling data that has come out in the last even few days um, about the return to gym. If, if I'm right, I think the, the check-ins are at 19% higher than pre-pandemic right now. Um, and Brandon, who has followed me uh, on LinkedIn for a bit. And I shouldn't say follow me. We we're connected. We follow one another. Um, but I've been pretty vocal about what exactly is happening. I just, I just never believed not just fitness. I, I didn't believe, you know, the new version of going to a restaurant was takeout. Um, I didn't believe people were going to be watching or doing their um, Sunday service from parking lots. Like I just, I just didn't buy it. And I think well, it's all, can, yeah. You can see Peloton's taking now. a beating now, right? Like Peloton's <laughs> just taking a beat now that uh, <clears throat> people aren't working out from home. They, I think they're craving going to the gym now. That's probably what's happened. They want to socialize again too. We're social beings, yeah. right? Like yeah. well, we, we like to socialize. That's the thing. I like it. You know what the, the hardest thing was that I, I know we all have it and, and, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not speaking for any of you guys, but like I had some close people in my life that were really betting against human connection. And you, you try to have an intelligent conversation with them. And I'm like, really? Like, a, <laughs> I'd like, like is, at times I'd like, like is Ashton Kutcher about to pop out of the wall and say I'm punked right now? Like, I'm like, I just didn't get it. So at the same time too, right? as vocal as I was against what I thought may happen to a Peloton. Um, you know, I want, I want to, I'd like to beat them, but I don't also like to see them fail. So there's that weird yeah. kind of yeah, catch fair. 22 with it too. Yeah. Same kind of industry, right? Yeah, exactly. Somewhat fighting the greater good, I guess. But um, yeah, it's been a rough ride for them. I just, I think a lot of digital concepts. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of digital concepts just overplayed their hand. Um, but I also get that you somewhat had to it. It was an opportunity to to go after something huge. So you can't hate someone for um, for putting it all on the line. I think last time you were on a couple of years ago, you I don't think you had uh, ten units out there, did you? I'd have to um, I'd have to actually look at the date. It's been a I don't know if you guys look at it the same way. Like COVID feels like a year, but we know that it stretched much longer than that. It's it's kind of like the twilight zone thinking how yeah. we operated in that space. So, you know, I, I we slow we slow over the last three years. We've opened about fifteen additional units and put fifty plus under contract because we made an intentional uh, growth partnership and strategy about six months before COVID hit. So we had everything in place to hit go. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a three year grind that took us from that 10 units to the 25 open and then another 60 in development, I think would be, um, would be accurate. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Growth. That's amazing. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're since inception from what, 2011-ish? Late 2011? Right. Yeah, and it was weird, right? So my my business partner who kind of shares this wall with me, um, it was just two of us. So, like, we did, I, when I say everything, I mean everything from site selection to lease negotiations to building the program to the systems. And I kind of get to sit in a very unique position now knowing that our first seven years of being super cautious, kind of like what we didn't provide to the well-oiled machine we are now. And it's, it, it's neat. It's like humbling, but it's also exciting to see um, it all come together. Yeah, that's what good, so good for you. Can you walk us through, um, I mean, we've, you and I, we've known each other uh 30 years, something like that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. former St. Catharines boy, OHL, um, pro hockey player. And, and when you, when you, when you, when you got drafted and you went down to the States, um, you know, then we lost a little bit of contact, but, but can you just walk our, and if there's anyone that's watching, you know, our, our usuals, if you have any questions to please, uh, please put it in the chat. Like Brandon would be huge to, to, to he'd be more than willing to answer any questions, but I got a lot. I mean, how do you learn, like, how to do a lease negotiation? Like, how do you learn how to do, 
like you said, seven years of being cautious. I mean, that is that is a huge undertaking. Who like did your business partner have that kind of experience? And like, how did you like learn to price out like what what a franchise would cost? So the the quick timeline was when we started, um, we thought that we would control Charlotte, the market we you know settled down in, and. What did that look like? That looked like maybe over a five-year dropping kind of five units strategically in the right parts of the city. Um, in the first year, we kind of knew we were onto something just because people were asking a lot of questions. Would we? You know, the first thing we were approached were, was big box, big name gyms like YMCA's and and uh, Bally's Total Fitness type gyms, saying, "Would you license your model within our doors?" And we're like, you know, that doesn't make sense because we're going to put some powerhouse gyms right in competition with us. Then we had um, a colleague that said, we have roots in Charlottesville, Virginia. Would you ever consider doing a unit here with us? And that started kind of more of a corporate um, portfolio strategy that was very capital time intensive. And we didn't really know these people that well. So that had us looking into what does franchising look like. And we hired a consulting firm out of San Diego that helped us build some of those initial systems, but primarily our first franchise agreements and franchise disclosure documents. And what it was, was we sat with a team of attorneys, um, two one hour calls every week for about six months. And we tried to learn what the process was like. And then for those first seven years, um, we took on what we thought at the time were just like slam dunk people or slam dunk markets that came to us. We did no advertising. So as far as learning, I think there was enough time and bandwidth to be involved in everything, to learn how to negotiate those leases, to start small vendor relationships locally that then you knew what to look for when you went to more of a national scale. So there's no simple answer. And I, and I don't think our story is much different than a young entrepreneur that just said yes to everything and fucking tried and failed and got up and kept moving yeah. forward. Like there's, there's nothing special about it outside of just grind. I it do, out. Yeah. I do know we have a good work ethic um, and we are okay paying for someone or a service in a skill set we don't have uh, we don't overextend our skill set we've always been good at that and i think that's allowed us to build good relationships and teams around us which then you learn from right so again i, I don't think the story is too new you too unique um but but that would be the way i would summarize it brandon yeah, I mean, and so and to put into context, like, how old were you when you when you started all this? I mean, you and I are the same age. So, um, but how old were you when was it seven years ago? Or the, you said the first seven years, but it wasn't seven years ago. You, you've been on this for quite a while, haven't you? 2010, 11? 2011 is when we started the franchising concept of the business. Um, we were involved in in the primary metabolic business a year before that, but we we were experimenting within the CrossFit world before it exploded um, in late 2008, 9, 
kind of area. Um, so yeah, I mean like, and, and also on top of that too, all throughout my professional hockey career, my summer, um, income was kind of personal training and designing programs for other players and, and kind of bartending in the evening. So I had been, I mean, being 41 now, I've actually been in fitness since I was 21 and probably been training since I was 15, 16. So yeah, it's, I've kind of been doing it for a minute now. <laughs> yeah. Lifelong, lifelong. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, yeah, you touched been, on some, yeah. Go ahead, Bondo. You touched on some key concepts though, right? Like just don't, you know, in business, don't, don't, you're not an expert in everything. Right. So, you know, th those things that you don't know, know your limitations. Right. And I think that's good advice for, for any, any entrepreneur, right? Like you can't, you can't take it all on, you know, you can take a yeah. few bumps and bumps along the way, but. The other thing too, is like, I think we were always um, kind of aware with our strengths. And the one thing that I always felt good about was feeling comfortable in a room with people smarter than me, like at least feeling I could carry a conversation. And I think I just used that early on to be in enough rooms. Um, and I thought if I kept getting into the right room, I would keep getting opportunities. So, you know, early on, there was kind of like say yes to every opportunity um, you had to make an impact or to be exposed to different people or different um, opportunities. And that I think now, you know, gives you the right to step back and have a little bit more balance. But that's one of those things I would struggle with is this everyone wanting balance in their life and I just always, I feel like there's a certain level of work you have to get through to um, deserve have that. balance. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not deserve, but have. I don't know. I think everyone deserves a level of balance. Sure. I, I think that's a good right away. thing to think about. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too political. No, I think you got to, I think you got to actually work. I think you do. Um, I think so too. Time, you got to work. Work yeah. hard, play hard, work hard, play hard. No, but to appreciate that, right? Like to appreciate yeah. it at a point where if you, how do you appreciate a balance if you don't know the lazy side, which we all did going up as kids and students, we didn't think it was, was lazy, but come on. I mean, we, we got four or five hours of commitment a day, right? And then a lot of us kind of grinded out the 14, 15 hour a day uh, periods, right? So it, in my opinion, it's only when you, have sampled those extremes could you only uh, bring yourself to kind of really truly bring it, yourself into balance that's my yeah sense. i mean like i'm i'm right there with you um but that also i think is that portion of of my ego that i try to keep in check a little bit um but but i can't deny that i'm i'm right there with you I'm just, I, you, you try your best to listen to the other side of it. And maybe it's more of that's an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey versus something else. But no, I, I, mean, I, just, I, I can't argue with you. I can't argue with you. Anything, anything, anything great that has happened for me in life has been the opposite of a balanced approach. Uh, it's often been behind closed doors when nobody's watching and you don't have an audience chipping away to get ahead the next day. And yeah, I don't know how else to put it. It's the only thing I really know. 
it's the only thing I've you know, ever seen, right? Like mm, ever come mm, across. That's, yeah. a, that's how you succeed. You grind, right? Unless you inherit money somehow or unfortunately, or you win a lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what the, now think of, thinking back to the last 15 years, you said 2008, 2009, when you and your business partner started to experiment. Um, the thinking back, like you've gone through now in your first 15 years in business, the Great Recession, which destroyed a lot of businesses, specifically the gym business uh, in 08, 09, 10, right? And then a pandemic, which also shut you down. Um, touch on being an entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneur and the importance, I guess, and you've kind of touched on it, but I guess the importance of being scared um and you know like you've touched on it in previous interviews as well like how it's not all roses and people only see you at the very end they don't see the night you know it's kind of like an iceberg right 90 percent of it is underneath the water um do you want to talk on that yeah well i mean being a um <clears throat> like my hockey career there was a lot of ups and downs. I mean, not only was I an average player that was, you know, any sniff I got was, was from a certain level of work ethic. I also had a lot of injuries. So I, I kind of got used to either getting cut, getting hurt or failing or all that stuff. So once I got to business, I mean, the idea of failing never really was a, was a hard thing to understand. So I do think that helped me. And that's why it's tough to speak to like, yeah, I mean, like when you get used to going to an NHL training camp every year, you get cut to the AHL team, you maybe stay for a bit and then you get cut to the East coast hockey league and you're up and down cut and injuries in between. I mean, you kind of get used to like being stomped on. Um, so that's what helped me in, uh, I think business from a resiliency side of things. Um, the one thing that is nice about, the recession and the pandemic were two different challenges, but weirdly enough, um, high price point fitness is somewhat a little bit insulated. And the reason is, is when, when shit starts to come crashing down, um, whether it was that pandemic or whether it was the recession, a lot of times people that are in the fitness world and the high end fitness, they actually reinvest in themselves even more it's almost like a, a self-preservation mechanism where it's like, if no one's going to take care of me, I'm going to look out for myself. So usually in fitness, um, the people that do the nine ninety nine kind of membership that just let it draft out of the bank account, they, those types of gyms really struggle. But in the, in the 2008, we had some of our biggest upticks ever um, during those years. And then in a bit of a contrast, during the um, pandemic, we always maintained 70% of our revenue throughout the whole thing system-wide. And a lot of that was not only the core customer and consumer supporting us, but us being able to produce enough good content for them to be at home. So it's a tough one to answer for me because the people I get to interact with and the people that pay my bills, they're a driven bunch hmm. um, that kind of helps uh, where I sit. More individual, right? The way you run your operation, right? So they want to be there. 
yeah, they want to be there. Like, here's a good way to put it. Um, if, if we didn't exist, they'd be training their ass off somewhere. We've just managed to create an environment where a lot of high performing individuals like to sweat beside one another. Um, but if, but if we didn't exist, they'd still be doing their thing for sure. So most of them high caliber athletes uh, that train with you or is there nah. um, the average Joe as well that uh, just in terms of your membership? Yeah, the average Joe's are wheelhouse. It's just a mindset. So it's it's not a body type. It's more of an individual that not only Wants do they... It. And they demand and they demand professionalism that uh, the professional, they expect it, they'll pay for it, like they want to experience, they want a little bit more out of life. And it, it kind of it transcends outside of the gym. I mean, they're the guys drinking the uh, the bougie coffee, the right craft beer and the, the best whiskey, like they just want the best out of life uh, for themselves. So yeah, like so. So for me to def- like that's such a laser focus versus like a shotgun approach um, for 100%. other businesses, and that's why I find I I like this space better. I know why the other space is popular, but I feel more comfortable in this environment. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and why well, wouldn't you want to see speak to a professional, right? Yeah, you speak to a professional for money, you know, Brandon. You know what I mean? You speak to a professional to buy a house. Uh, in myself, uh, Trevor. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, (laughs) But it may only make sense to to care about your your most important important asset yourself, right? That you speak to somebody that knows a little bit more than the average Joe. Yeah, and the the other thing I find, and I know it's a bit of a harsh statement to make, but I think, um, I can't say North America, just because I haven't been in Canada enough, but in the United States, I find like we're the best country in the world at average. So it's not hard to step outside of average. We're great at the cheesecake factory concept. We're the best <laughs> at it. But, but I mean, to just step outside of that, it's not hard to stand out. Um, so I just I feel like there's a lot of white space to do something just a little bit different or a little bit unique and maybe maybe better for certain people. So uh, one, it's well, crazy uh, Cheech has just logged in. So hi, crazy Cheech, and yes, uh, you're motivated is definitely a, a very good uh, adjective to use uh, when discussing the clientele for sure. Um, the basically, so when, when we were chatting um, over LinkedIn, there uh, you wanted to touch on a bunch because, and 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 I want to hear it from your side of it. Um, the the hiring process because you you are somewhat involved uh in the hiring of your your own facilities but definitely your franchisees do their own but you also hear it how are you this this new quiet quitting uh this this whole um i'm just not gonna show up to work today you know this is kind of what you're 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 you're, you're touching on with kind of standing above the crowd, right? And and it's not that hard to just put in some extra work. But if you want to touch on that as as an entrepreneur, as an employer, like how do you even how do you survive in this type of a, an environment when you've basically put it all on the line? But then on top of that, like you have just employees just not bothering, or or even in sometimes members just not even gonna. I'm just not going to show up to class today or something like that. 
um but that was yeah you wanted to touch uh, we were just chatting back and forth on that We lost your volume. We lost the volume there. I'm back. Nice. <laughs> I, said, I don't know if uh, you guys are feeling this too. And I've, I've kind of been using this analogy, but like so much has changed with the pandemic yet. So much is the exact same. And I wonder a lot of times when I'm thinking about quiet quitting or hybrid work or return to the office or work remote, if, if you step back, I think all of them were always there. Um, there's always been hybrid work, um, I've, especially in the United States. It's, I mean, most of my people were hybrid working before the pandemic. Um, I think there's been quiet quitting going on for a long time. Um, I think there's been quiet firing going on for a long time. It just seems now it's in people's mouths. Um, there's a bigger voice for those complaints but I don't really like, like, I, I like, are we, are we finally the old guys that are talking about the lazy young generation? Like, are we any different than, than our parents that were complaining about the young generation, <laughs> complaining about us? We weren't lazy though. We weren't lazy. I don't, I, I don't, the bulk of us weren't I, lazy. I, I don't find. I, 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 I think the same way. I think this is where I put myself in check. Like, is it just a louder voice? I don't know. Now, if you're working for me and you want to quiet quit, don't worry. I can't wait to fire and not hire you. And I cannot wait <laughs> to promote the person that's working their ass off behind the scenes. So 100%. trust me, I'm not tiptoeing around that. Um, by any means. Uh, but you are in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We're in a, like Charlotte is a fat, one of the fastest growing, if not millennial driven Gen Z cities in America. So it is a fast paced, fun, aggressive young market. Um, and it's not as manhattan it's not as california there's a little bit of a blend of old kind of southern with new blood too so there's there still is a work ethic there but yeah um having two young kids and they're 10 and 7 now grayson and logan and um i don't like some of the narrative that they're exposed to um, I'm not a fan of participation trophies. I'm not a fan of everybody is special. I'm not a fan of always wearing your uh, feelings on your sleeve. I mean, there's a, there's a fail for everything. Yeah. There's a, there's a complete time for everything, but, um, I, from where I stand, I get nervous about, you know, the way they'll come through life versus, the way we did. I mean, Brandon, we were joking about um, uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad, uh, before we got on, on the thing, but like, I, yeah. I, I never felt unsupported, but I was pushed and I loved it. Um, so I know now I'm now I'm circling around guys, I didn't give you a clean answer. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the narrative being pushed today. I'm, I'm not I just, you know, not a huge fan of it. Well, I, you know, it, it's, uh, you hit, you hit a lot on, on you, you, um, 
Oh, for those that are watching, Bono just had to step out for just a quick second. He'll be right back. Um, but uh, no, you hit on a lot of things. I, I totally, like, I'm off all social media except for LinkedIn. Now, I understand everyone else who might need social media or want social media for business purposes and stuff like that. I, I get it. But for me, the, 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 the negative impacts uh, to my business uh, from a reputational standpoint uh, were far greater than, than any positive. Like, for example, in the first five years that I was still on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that in the business, um, I could probably count maybe on one hand. Uh, the referrals or the leads that I used to get. And, and the only thing that I found that were, that were getting through to people were the cat videos and the pictures of what you're having for dinner. Like, and I just kind of sat back and I'm like, do, like people actually really care about this stuff. I mean, I, I grew up and, and, you know, the guys on, on, on the, uh, the table right now and uh, Colin, you, you, you can easily say like, do you, do you remember we'd go away for vacation and your parents would be like, don't you dare tell anyone at school that we're going away for March break. Even though now as an adult, I'm like, it's March break. Everyone goes away for March break. If you're going to rob a house, that's the great time to rob a house is during <laughs> March break. But nonetheless, we were scared, you know, to, to not even say a damn thing. And now fast forward, you know, 20 years later, and people are posting when they're in the airport taking off. <laughs> it's just kind of like... And you're broadcasting that to the entire world. Um, it's just the whole keeping up with the Kardashians piece. I don't, I don't get, I don't subscribe to, um, you know, if you hit a, a, a milestone, cool, but there is that fine line uh, to what you're touching on um, between, you know, actually achieving something great and okay, good. Like it's a good for you, you know, uh, very much like yourself, Brandon, I always felt supported at home. Uh, my parents were hard and like, but not, not over, overly hard, but definitely drove me. And, you know, it was one of those, whenever I got an A on a report card, as an example, you know, kids in my and class, between, this is sure. where it started. Hey, few and far between. I'm sure. One. That's right. Yeah. Few, it, it was, <laughs> it just never happened. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'd bring an, I'd bring a report card home and, and my parents would be like, I'm like, I got an A because, you know, Johnny got, you know, a, a game console for getting an A. And I remember <laughs> my dad vividly saying to me, um, I expect you to get an A. I'm not rewarding you for something that I know that you can already do. You know what I mean? And and like he, they just never subscribe to any of that kind of stuff. So you're not. No, you're not nuts. I, 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 you're, I completely am aligned with everything that you're saying. Um not sure. Okay. So, okay. So Jacob has a, says quiet quitting is doing the job. You are paid for no more, no less, not showing up early or late going extra mile or doing less as a, as employer. I would love to have employees who did, who did this. Um, who didn't show initiative. Okay. I think he's saying yes. that that's, that's hard enough to find just that right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Than, okay you yeah. know? Oh yeah. 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 Like he's not people just doing the bare minimum. He's like, I'll yeah. take, I'll take whatever I can get right now. Really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that and you know, so the labor pool. Go ahead, Colin. go ahead, Rand. I was just going to say, and and I guess we can read that in 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 many ways, right? And if that's what Jacob wants for his business, it's the, that's the beauty of um, being able to run 
um, your business the way you want. Like, I don't want that. I do want someone going over and above and I, someone should have that right. I think where, especially in the United States where we're getting polarized now is Jacob should be able to say that. And I can say right on Jacob, that's cool. But I should also be able to say the opposite and Jacob should be like, cool, Brandon, that's awesome because that's your company. That's what you want. And I don't know where it became, where there was just one way of doing things. Um, You know what I mean? So uh, that's, again, I I can never speak to Canada the way you you guys can living there right now. But like, that's the biggest thing now is like your friends, colleagues, family are telling you how you have to live, whether it's politically or business wise or on a personal level. And instead of saying, oh, that's a cool way to look at it, like, awesome. You do you. Uh, I'm going to do this thing over here. And I don't, maybe, I don't know if we ever had that. Maybe I'm naive to think that, but I feel like it's so dogmatic right now that I can't prioritize type A go-getters. What if that's how I want to build my team and I want nothing less? I I'm allowed to say that as, as, as much as that pisses someone off. And yeah, that's where see, it gets see, weird. For me, I can see Jacob's next comment. Like I chose a commission-based industry because I wanted to, if I wanted to kick some ass, I wanted to make extra money for it, right? So I understand what he's saying that if yeah. you're working for some people and those those personalities might, you know, kind of steer more towards entrepreneurship where they're putting in the extra effort, making the extra money. And yeah. it is hard to find some of those people to work for you because for me, I didn't want to work my ass off for no extra money, right? So if I wanted to work my ass off, I went commission-based, which is not for everybody without a doubt. Um, but I wanted to put in the extra effort and be, be rewarded for that. So either you got to be the owner or, or something commission-based. So I kind of understand what he's saying there. And then maybe that personality just isn't suited for working for someone else, right? Well, and Jeff, and I couldn't agree with you more because I, I, you know, I get to sit in a fortunate position of never having to have worked for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, let, let's remove up like in business, not hockey. It's, it's a different thing. But sure. I've never had to go through a commute to a cubicle I hate mm-hmm. to, to now go over and above to, to impress my boss. So I'm very careful with a Bank of America employee that hates their office culture that has a 45-minute commute that now has found um, comfort at home. Like I, 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 I hear that on the human side of things. I think I'm just saying my personality, if I'm, if I'm setting out to build a business, I'd probably build it a specific way. And I think that's okay. And I also think the, uh, the other version is okay too. And then a hybrid, well, and too, I, right? A hybrid could work depending on what the business is and 100%. the needs of the business, right? Because in our business, think- you have some clerks that are idling and then you have others that are pushing hard and you have some lawyers that are idling and you have others that are pushing hard as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's I talking think- about the dynamic of his specific business. Yes. He's posting yeah. John's working hard. Both of his clerks work <laughs> wonders. They're amazing. Maybe clerks at the other with the other solicitors might be a different story, though. But Bond worked his ass off to get in that position oh, to be able sure. to do that now, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, but we're talking here and now. <laughs> but I think I I think though honestly I think the big thing is is um, and and rookie if you can keep us up on the five panel that'd be great um, because I'd like to hear what everyone says. But I think a lot of people, um, you know, 
Trev, you you got a story that I'm going to let you talk to um, without mentioning a hire, the hiring piece with the interviews and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. About how many people? Yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. But yep. um, it, it's not so much the fact that I guess to Jacob's point that you're just showing up uh, on just on time, working, doing what you said you're going to do, and then leaving at like you know you're eight to four, and then mm -hmm. that's what you want to do. Then great. My whole thing is put in a hundred and a hundred and ten percent while during those eight at that eight hours. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. But then don't turn around to someone like myself, or let's say my business partner, who myself and two others are buying out, uh, Doug, who you know, uh, Brandon, you loosely know Doug Smith, but the other guys do know uh, Dougie, and um, you know. And look at, you know, he's driving the, 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 the Land Rover and then he's, you know, he's, but he's 58 and he's puts in insane hours, you know, bought, you know, bought a Corvette off your, you know, off of a great dealership in St. Catharines. <laughs> uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, people are like, I well I want that. It's like, yeah, okay. You can work 75 hours a week. Well, that's how he got. I, I think the problem is a lot of people get mad when they're comparing someone's you know fiftieth chapter to their own personal tenth chapter in their that's life. It. Right? Amen. Where Amen. You might be at the top of the mountain right now, but what what took you to get there? And don't bitch about me being up there because you 100%. don't know what kind of kind of time I put in to get there. You know, so you, that's it. You got to earn the balance, right? You got to earn can't, balance. You can't turn, yeah, you can't turn around to me and say, "Well, I can't buy a house and I can't do this." And grant you, I'm not saying. The, the housing prices and, and the, the mortgage rules. And we've touched on that in previous episodes. But what we're saying is, is like, we all got to where we are by putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it's like, it's the iceberg. You don't see 90% of what we do. And Trevor, I remember, you know, you, when you and I first met eight years ago and, you know, I had two young ones at home and I was putting in, and I remember you making a comment going like, I don't know how you do it, but I'm like, I have no choice. Now he's just as a hard worker as me, but like the, the social engagements is what you were referring to, uh, Trev, from a networking perspective. And you know, I appreciated the comment. Um, but it's that type of stuff that drives us nuts is that it's like, well, I want what you have, but I don't want to put in the same time or the same effort. And, and Jeff, well, you hit and the and nail part of that right too is the, the failures, head. right? Like when, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up too, right? It's not like, you have a big monster failure, which I've had several, but you don't yes, just quit and go home. Have. You know, you got to get yourself off the mat, get back up there and start swinging again. Right. And, and that's what people don't see, because I'm not about to start promoting all my failures, but I'm back out there hustling nope. again. Right. Because you got to you have no choice if you want to make it. Either you got the drive or you don't have the drive. And it's hard to train people to have the drive. It's great to have experience to lead you to get there. And sometimes you get a couple tips that make you think, hey, it's not as crazy as you think it is. But to me. People either have the drive or they don't have the drive. And the people who don't have the drive usually work for the people who do have the drive. You know, but, and that person who's yeah. got the drive had to get those failures to get to that point. But it's it's tough. There's two different types of drive, right? There's drive to succeed to get to that next level. If you pare it down to a McDonald's franchise, you know what I mean? You, you go from a, a line cook or whatever it is, you want to get promoted to manager. I guess what Brandon was saying and what I agree with is – I don't give a, you know what, if you don't want to get to manager, I don't give a shit. That's up to you. But on the line, make the best damn hamburger that you can every time you make it, period. Yep. Why should there be yep. exceptions there? 
my my whole thing is if my kids turn to me and want to be you know um a sanitary engineer or whatever like garbage collector i don't care whatever they want to be whatever makes them happy you know like colin you always say you know you're searching for life's <laughs> bracket imperfections right like i love that i love that slogan on on your uh on your linkedin and and uh just be the best garbage person you want to be like just be the best be number one is is what i care about but trev you were you, you touched on and, and brandon i want your i want your comment and insight on this from a, a hiring perspective like we won't mention who the employer is or anything like that but go ahead you, you had a great you got a great story and um yeah you're talking was, about it i was talking with uh with an individual that I used to, you know, close with. And we're, we were chatting and he was in the middle of doing interview process for his business. And he was hiring for two specific roles. Uh, he was hiring for basically warehouse supervisor and he was hiring for uh, a driver, a delivery driver. And, you know, eight interviews scheduled, three people show up. Out of the three people that show up, the one, uh, the one individual is asked, uh, why are you looking at leaving your current employer and the guy started spouting off derogatory comments about uh our, our manufacturing industry here in niagara and the influx of certain ethnicities coming in and destroying everything and this guy is making these comments in the middle of the interview to the to the hiring manager and the funny part is the guy went on for about 10 minutes and the hiring manager at the end of the interview just said well Appreciate your time. We'll be making our decision by the end of the week. He tells me after the fact that the guy that he has, this guy was being interviewed for a driver position, but the guy in the front runner uh, for the warehouse supervisor is that ethnicity. He's like, why am I, I want to hire that guy. This guy's as useless as tits on a bull. I'm not going to bother. And he just left it at that. But that's the the scary reality that so many employers are are faced with right now. Brandon, you want to weigh in in that, and, and also expectations and the expect and the, the I guess the demand. Well, and I think I'd have an interesting question for Brandon too. You talk about these premium workers you want for you, right? The, the ones that hit out of the box. What do you do to retain them? Mm, great question. Hey, well, well, pay well is like I think is um, that's another thing that there's there's an expectation of uh, the younger generation and it's a combination of them having the skill set day one and i know i can make the argument you got to earn your stripes and you'll learn from mentorship but coming that they're coming with a skill set and i even see that in our business the the mid 20 um from a technology side of things just the speed sure. it's a different speed um and they want to be paid for that speed today and I don't, I don't necessarily hate that. Like I, I know the earn your stripes, but I also like the, uh, the balls of being like, I'm better than you today. And I expect to <laughs> like, in a weird way, like there's, yeah, cause yeah. I feel like, yep. I feel like if I'm 25 and had that skill set, I pro that's probably how I've come to the table too. But, um, the one like thing the that, that knocks you out and you shake his hand, right? <laughs> exactly. But the other thing too is, uh, no matter where we are, you need worker bees as much as you need the queen bee. So you can't, you can't discount that. Right. Um, I think there's, as far as hiring, we've been taking a, a very specific approach now hiring for kind of charisma and drive and teaching the skill set. Like someone said on the panel here, uh, it's hard to teach that drive. Um, but, but some skills are, are easier to teach. Um, 
But yeah, like not related, but related. I mean, as you guys know, I'm in the States. And when you talk about some divisive conversations and um, whew, it's it's wild at times, it really is. Um, going through Black Lives Matter here was wild um, as a Canadian kid uh, growing up where I think, Brandon, I think in our high school, we might've had a couple kids of color, right? That's and, right. You know, just seeing how passionate, emotional, like it was, it was a wild time uh, being from where I grew up. So, um, but, but there's really no place for it. it it's, it's, uh, I don't agree with the handout job, but I do agree with opportunity. Um, we even work with a, um, a local company here pretty closely that, uh, through the sports world, they give the underprivileged um, an underprivileged set of uh, communities the opportunity of access and um, through the sports world. Um, so it's called Sports Biz Camp. So I, I believe in all that stuff too, but... Um, we have a kid's sport, I think, here. Right? What's that, that called? Kid's sport? And I think okay. that kind of uh, helps uh, with some funding and equipment for underprivileged children, right? So it gives them uh, some yeah. exposure to it. Did you see the funding you- with Hockey Canada? They pulled everything, pulled it oh, all. Yeah. I'll Social give you that's a, a hot topic right now. And I'll give you a real cool thing that I'm proud about. So my partner, her company is a very inclusive, uh, mission driven company that takes all of this chatter and she's on the people side of the business so she's always looking at bettering their organization their team their partnerships and all of their hubs throughout the united states through uh, culture and diversity and when i took her to my um last year our christmas uh, party we all went to a hockey game with my entire staff and we have a very diverse staff and We've all the ever hired for quality. And uh, she made a comment. She goes, and the person that's the least <laughs> diversity ser- searching uh, um, employer has the, the most diverse staff. So it's such a weird way to look at it, right? We've always looked for great people and it, it didn't matter a color or really a background. And we have a very uh, diverse team, which is fun. And her whole company chases this and it's a it's a challenge but so it's just i don't know i thought that's i have always i've always um taken pride in that statement she made about a year ago um i've got a comment here one of our one of our listeners is writing me he can't make a comment on there right now so i want to read it um it's from jeremy he said he jumped in late but he said uh, he thinks there's a lack of motivation is what i find with employees too many of them are still living at home with no responsibility or need to excel or impress at work it is easier for them not putting themselves in tough situations since they have no real financial responsibilities. So he made that comment. I thought it was, you know, something that's apropos right now. I read it out. He can't, I think he has, does he have to be on the Dean Blundell network in order to, to comment on the site or? Yeah, I've got no idea. Okay. I know you got to be rookie. You can write us in the private chat, but that's what he's saying. Cause there's a lot of younger people that don't really need the money and they're staying home. Uh, part of the reason they don't have the money or don't need the money is because they can't afford a house. So that's one of the. Well, that's I was going to ask that because, <laughs> you know, that's that's an issue. I was going to ask that because you can somewhat guess, right? 
what your friends could be making um, back home in Canada. And then I can look at what housing cost is and it blow, I blows my mind. Like it blows my mind. We've got Uh, friends down right now from Philadelphia and they're telling, we're telling them the house prices. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that's how much you're paying for this stuff. I know. Like even like knowing uh, my sister lives in um, Burlington off of uh, Burlington's not even insane. Insane. I'm like, what is your house worth? (laughs) I'm like, this is wild. So, but um, so yeah, I always, I I don't understand how that math equation works. And so I want to be somewhat empathetic to that kid living at home that literally can't Hmm. get out. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to understand. See, this is an interesting thing because we're going through it right now. Me and Trevor are working with clients and, and I, I've got some young buyers and, and, and I say, you need 30 grand. You need 30 grand, we can buy you your first house. And if you, if you work on a property in a year and a half, we can turn that 30 grand into anywhere to 80 to 100,000 tax-free money, right? So a lot of people out there saying they can't afford it, they can't do it. Like there's ways to get an RSP loan and all that to, to, to get your down payment and all that. But 30 grand, 30 grand's your target. You got to hit. You can buy a $400,000 house, fix it up and make some money in a year. Yep. So it is possible out there. They just, they, they need that. You know, it, it's more possible than people think out there. And especially Let's right now because push. the market's getting attacked and the crappy houses that need work are available readily right now. Like I'm, I'm hungry for buyers right now because I'm making people money off of it, but it's, it's more affordable than people think. Like, like between a couple, you should be able to come together with 30 grand somehow if you're working hard. It's not that hard. Like it's hard, but you got to work hard and you can find a big borrow steel, whatever you got to do, get that down payment. Cause the sooner yeah. you get in the market, the sooner you're going to be ahead, but not everybody looks at it that way. So it's, it's different. No. And, and I've had these conversations and same with Trevor's had the conversations too. Like when I'm talking to clients and even, even staff and you know, this is going back before the pandemic and they're just like, well, we want a, you know, two story or a bungalow, you know, 2000 square feet, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I didn't, I, I, I had a condo, like a condo apartment building is yeah, what I started they, out They with. want their and, third house, not their first time buyer house. They want their right, third house. Right, and you just can't. Like at the end of the day, now the mortgage rules, that's political. That's that's something completely out of everyone's control and everyone's facing the same type of hurdles. Um, so, uh, but just I wanted to give a shout out to, again, our listeners and our watchers. Thank you very much for commenting. Uh, Jacob's right. Try Barry. Barry is insane. Uh, the realist uh, PJ is saying that's the free market. They just need to work harder. Amen, brother. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I think it also, I wanted to, Brandon, when I was, uh, your, your town there, I think, you know, notwithstanding, and I want to make this perfectly clear, notwithstanding the equality of, you know, sexes and, and uh, races and stuff, the I am typically don't err on the side of equality. I, t- I, I, I am more erring on the side of equitable, being equitable, you know, and giving people that, that need, you know, making sure that everyone starts at the same start at the same starting line. And then that's, that's hard. Equity. That's hard. Equality. It is hard, but equality. So there's massive studies, lots of, lots of um, psychological studies. Um, and uh, basically, you know, I guess, how can I say this? In Scandinavia, the more equal you make the market, um, the further the, the, the further away from diversity you actually get. So the more government intervenes and tries to 
make the market equal, the, the further you actually get. So to your point, Brandon, your business partner who searches for diversity has a hard time finding diversity. But for someone like yourself who you I just want the best of the best you actually have the one of some of the most diverse teams. So it's actually, that does actually, there is some science to that, believe it or not, um, that well, I've been don't reading. Don't force the issue, off. let it come naturally, right? Don't force right. it. You just, just look for the best and then you'll naturally get a diverse team. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's loaded. You know, I, I, I think, um, especially here, I mean, I never really saw true poverty um, until I got to the United States, I never saw true race until I got to the United States. And I never really understood like the, the, the harshness. The yeah. The difference between diehard Republicans or diehard, uh, Democrats. And, and like, as much as a lot of times people try to relate the countries being very close, um, the United States is a different animal. Um, you know, and it's a, it's, it is a capital capitalistic sink or swim country. And there's parts of it I love, and there's parts of it that I hate. Um, but it suits me, um, if that makes sense. But again, I, I do, uh, and when I, Brandon, when I was saying my partner, I didn't meet my business partner. I actually met my, my partner, my girl, uh, at home. So, oh, so her job, yeah, okay. yeah. Your business um, partner is a guy, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> My business partner is a guy. Yeah. But um, I was pretty naive until I, you know, spent some time in New Orleans and saw what Katrina did, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Even parts of Charlotte. Like, I just did not realize how displaced some populations are here is the only way I could say it. You know, my dad does a lot, of, as you know, my father, general, former general Moses, does a lot of consulting and he gets flown, you know, Mexico and all over, all over the States, uh, predominantly a lot of, a lot in Ohio. And he said the same thing. Like we're fairly insulated up here. Right. And in, especially in the city of St. Catharines, like, you, you know, we had only, you know, like you touched on Brandon, like a couple families of color, but you know, we were just kind of like, oh, okay. And we just kind of moved along and we just, it, there was really no, we, I never saw any overtly racism. And I think I'd have to talk to um, that family specifically, but I didn't, I mean, nothing, I, I, you know, I just don't really, I didn't really see it, but you're right. When, when they um, go down to the States, it's, it's definitely a different beast. Um, but yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in uh, Ontario or Toronto. It, 100% does. But to your point, you were, were, you can be very easily ignorant of what's going on around the world. And I think, it exists, I think it exists around here pretty good. But our measure of poverty, though, is just mental health, right? Because I mean, yeah. you're taken care of here, right? Financially, you're taken care of here and you can survive. There's no reason for you to be truly poverty stricken, like in the States, right? Because you, you are going to be towed along. Unless you have a mental mental health issue and you end up on the streets, and that's really unfortunate. Yeah, and that was one of the things, uh, Josh. When 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 the at the height of the pandemic, where Canada was still um, always about six months behind in the frustrations, like I'd, I'd be having conversations with friends and family at home, and they'd be like, "What the hell are you guys doing there?" I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, I'm, not, "I'm not doing yeah. anything." I'm like, relax. <laughs> um, 
But what I tried to explain to them, I'm like, you know, your wages and your rent that is covered. We, we don't have that. I'm like, so it's, it's easy to shelter in place when rent is paid for, when salaries are taken care of. And when everyone in the country is doing it, we got like our backs got put against the wall. A lot of business owners that you had to open or you were done. And, um, it's just a different, yeah, it's a different dynamic at times. And, and again, like I became a citizen here cause I do love it here, but I'm not naive to admit to some of the problems we deal with here. Um, and it's, it's on a bigger scale. Um, it's more aggressive. It's more harsh. I think you use that word, Brandon, that's about a perfect word, harsh. Um, and you know, what's, you know what, you know what I also think is crazy too. A lot of times, you know, from the um, the people looking in, whether it's like a, a strict CNN watcher or a strict uh, Fox <laughs> watcher, right? Um, I live I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, twenty miles north, south, east, or west. You go back thirty years into the deep south, and I think a lot of times <laughs> people talk about lack of access and lack of education and they relate it to a color of a skin head to parts of South Carolina (laughs) or Georgia. Yeah. And that same level of lack of education, lack of access happens to a lot of colors of skin. And I think a lot of times race is wrapped up with a lot of socioeconomic issues we have everywhere in the United States. Brandon, just to your earlier point, uh, Curry, um, I, yeah. think what, I think what happens in terms of the whole equality and you see it in the police forces and stuff like that. They try to hit these freaking quotas of, you know, females or, or non-Caucasians. And I, I think the, the problem is, is they're trying to catch them up, right? Because there's not a, a, an equal representation or a fair representation of these people. Um, but I, I just think that's it's a very tricky way of going about it because I, I genuinely think that I, I've always been of the the belief I don't give a shit to what color your skin is, what gender you well, are. I think I mean, the biggest thing is you look at that NFL rule. What is it, the Rooney Rule, where they have to they have to interview two or three um, minorities before they do it, and it's just almost like half the time they just do it to say they did it, and then they hire someone else anyways. It's almost stupid how they do it. Mm-hmm. Just hire the best person. Period. Don't put a rule in place. You have to just do it or make it. No, but I guess I, I guess what I was saying is that for some of these groups have been somewhat oppressed, right? So yes, hundred percent. The argument for trying to catch them up is to give them, I suppose, preferential treatment in the hiring process. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with that, but I'm just I'm sure we can all understand why some of these processes are put in place well on brandon's point getting everyone to a, a equal starting position is is the the important thing it's not it's not a handout job even like my partner um uh, kirk he uh before we got into the gym business so he went into the firefighting spinoff out of hockey and north carolina was one of the states they didn't immediately place you based on um, the union and he he placed one or two for the testing every year and never got a job based on on um, these kind of these laws. Like and, males, and right? 
And and the crazy thing is, if I'm in a burning building, yeah, it can affect lives. It could cost lives. Send, Jeez, send in the best. You know this yeah. is so. But but again, too, like we're we are we are um, touching the surface of some wild um, changes that would have to be made here, even more so than the stuff that's most frustrating for me. Um, like some of the, the women's right to choose being challenged now. And, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, I hate guns. So if there's one thing that I will (laughs) fight against forever is that that's not a thing here, but I mean, these are to move the needle on some of these things. It's wild. Um, Oh yeah. The gun thing is unbelievable. Biden's going to be reviewing the laws on marijuana. I understand in the States. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So yeah, oh, interesting. well, if everybody's stoned instead of drunk, there's probably less crime. That's why we're so happy and easy going out there. We're all high. Get everybody baked instead of drunk, and we're. It's, it's so hard to get. It's so hard to get angry when you're high. You it's, it's so hard to get off the couch when you're high. Never mind. <laughs> somebody up, right? Give I mean, control, tips. control it and tax it. You guys got a, you got a muddy pit. You're not, you're not tapping into. That's what I'm saying. Like, percent. There's a lot of opportunity. Well, they're, tap, there. they're tapping in down here now. Yeah. There's, there's more cannabis dispensaries than there are Tim Hortons now. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it make you want to open one up? No. Well, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> So well, we're getting close to we're getting close because we I know a couple of us had a hard stop uh, in in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to kind of so out of the uh, back to just to do a little bit of a pivot back, uh, Brandon, you you said you had about fifty to sixty five or sixty sixty five under contract that are under the build. Any of those in Canada right now, or you haven't you haven't gotten that in, in none of that is in the pipeline. That's all over the U.S. No, like I said, we had a opportunity for a big deal in Toronto um, that we looked at. And that would like just to give you the scale we're looking for. I, I think in Canada, you got to do like the the big markets. I think you got to do Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Montreal. potentially like I, I don't I haven't paid attention to like Calgary lately. I don't know if you do that. But you got to do the big ones, right? You have four or five that you can do. And I think when you do them, you do five to 10 units there and you wait for a Canadian um, presence and that is well capitalized to, to tell you this is how they want to do it versus teaching someone how to do it. That, that's the strategy for now. Um, I know it doesn't sound super optimistic, but it's, it's more just waiting for being patient for the right opportunity because i know it works it just it has to be around major markets oh we've got close to 700 people watching us live right now so um and then we usually hit over you know two two to three thousand people that watch us streaming so if there's anyone's interested can they just hit you up at uh metabolic.com and uh is that how you yeah, there's. I mean, that's that's an easy way to inquire, and that will get you through to our um, franchise sales team that I'm connected to. So that's easy. You can also DM me on LinkedIn. That's an easy way if you want me to put you in direct contact with someone um, if you're interested. But but in, in truth, that's exactly like if you guys know some of the big names. So if you think of the Orange Theories and the F45s, they went in with massive area development deals. Like I think, funny enough, I think the hockey player Trevor Linden 
um, is responsible for the Vancouver Orange Theories. Um, okay. But yeah, like like going in for one unit, just the cost to do business and the cost to get all of your documentation and paperwork and all that, you want to go in for a bigger deal. And that's just, we're just being patient for that. How, how did you come up yeah. with the name Metabolic? I love that name. Um, so MAD is an acronym that represents the three styles of classes or intervals we run. So momentum, anaerobic, or durability. And the whole program is somewhat centralized around metabolic conditioning. So naturally, just a play on words, a little bit of branding, a little bit of truth. Um, so yeah. That's badass. Witty. Sounds yeah, badass and scientific. No, yeah. That's good. Yeah. People can listen to you too. I believe you've got a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I've been lazy. Yeah, I've been a bit lazy. Um, <laughs> it just was a year, right? In a good way. Like okay. I have no excuses okay. for it. The, the thing about the um, the podcast, if I'm being like like blatantly obvious, when you get to a certain level of scale, you're trying to create systems that, and I hate to use the word cookie cutter in a bad way, but you have to make everything streamlined. And some of that removes some personal creativity and now making sure the system is functioning the right way. Right. Yeah, so the podcast for me was, it's a nice like creative space to interview people that like inspire me. So there's no real agenda behind it, but once I have a good buddy or colleague that I think would be interesting to have a chat with, that's how it, how it kind of came together. Um, yeah. And I just got to get my get my ass back to doing it. <laughs> from what I hear, people like it. I mean, they, they might be blowing smoke up my ass, but who knows? Yeah, you can't buy time, eh? You can't That's buy right. time. Well, we'd love to have you on again in a couple of months or whenever you're free. And also, please let like let us know when you have any great excitement. Like, if you ever do a, like a giant uh, rollout of of Canadian franchises. Um, Obviously, you and I will stay in contact. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks very much again for your time and time. for coming on. Um, 65 is a really great That's chat. Awesome. It, was, it, was, it was a really, really great chat. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, any, any, anyone else have any last minute uh, questions or are we good? Bondo, great you job. Take great job. Great growth. Awesome. Keep it up. Keep crushing man. it. Keep crushing it. No, and I just, I want to say thanks, right? Because it gives me a different look um, from a different uh, vantage point, um, hearing it from, you know, people are living in a different space. I mean, to a degree, we are all a product of our environment. Like, that's a real thing. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. So it's nice to hear, um, in a, in a, in a, whether it's an opposing perspective or just a, a different way to look at things. So I always appreciate that opportunity. Help us. Uh, and thanks to all our wait 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 thanks to all <laughs> our listeners thanks to brand boulevard to our sponsors and uh jacob and all the listeners that are commenting we really appreciate it uh we love we love the banter we love the we love the questions and the banter it's great please keep 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 it coming bondo take us out help us help you stay informed The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.